podcast about the people, places, and everyday stories of India's smallest state. As creators of Goa.me, Goa's largest online community, we set out to bring you interviews and candid conversations with interesting and inspiring individuals. So come along and get to know Goa beyond the holiday. In this episode, we explore none other than the king of fruit itself, the great Goan mango. However, this will by no means be a solo performance. But did you know there are over 40 varieties of mangoes in Goa alone? Each with a story behind it worthy of an episode all its own. And yet for today, we focus on just a handful of the most memorable mangoes as we catch up with my dear friend and Zoto Woodfire chef, Ryan Semeliago. And while his talents are many, Ryan's dedication to the exploration of Goan cuisine is by far one of his most fascinating and inspiring qualities, and thus leading to this episode a documentation of a lifetime relationship with mangoes that begins under the shade of the Ilario mango tree at Ryan's maternal grandparents' house in Kampal, where we meet Rajesh, a professional mango plucker with his team of expert climbers as they harvest the first batch of the season. Next, we jump in the car on the following day to capture the third and final plucking of the renowned Cardozo Mankarat tree in Mopsa, where we hear from Nestor Vangel, an agriculturist with a farm in Valpoi who has taken it upon himself to market this unique variety of the Mankarat mango to the people of Goa. The last day of this three-day excursion ends with a morning at Rajesh's mango warehouse in the village of Siolam in North Goa where we find ourselves in the giant two-story house his team has occupied for the season to store, sort, and ripen the thousands and thousands of mangoes they've collected throughout the season before disseminating them into the market. A truly enlightening experience for an otherwise uneducated mango lover like me. A story which begins with a late-night text from Ryan urging me to join him for the plucking of his favorite tree the very next morning. ಚಲ because this is the the mango that gets the maximum sun throughout the year and it's a very late fruiting mango so it has the height of the summer like we have april we have may which is like the hottest part of the year so as a result the sweetness levels are very high and when we talk of sun kissed oranges and sun kissed fruits that's the true example of a sun kissed fruit you know so because it flowers late it fruits late this is the first plucking of the year believe it or not so the season started in february when you had ripe mangoes in the market but today we are in the end of may generally this fruit would get ready say in the first week of may to the last week of april to the first week of may but this year because of the prolonged monsoons the last year the fruiting season has shifted by a few weeks across all the varieties whether it's mankurat whether it's shavier whether it's alfonso whether it is malgez whether it's musarat all the mangoes have shifted by at least 2 or 3 weeks yeah. later than yeah, at least 3 weeks at least 3 weeks later yeah. than normal yeah, yeah. and uh, rajesh over here what he does is that he approaches a lot of people who are unable to maintain their own trees 
who are unable to harvest their own trees because in the old days the concept of pruning was not there where they prune the tree to keep it short and bushy they used to let the tree grow large so as a result one it bore more fruit and second gave more shade but they had a lot of uh, labor in those days but now labor is very difficult to come by and train people who can climb the trees and recognize which fruit to pluck and which not to pluck are very difficult to find and come by therefore people like rajesh have made a business out of it and also a service it's like a balance so what he does is he would pay a family a lump sum amount for a tree or for a set of trees and give them a certain amount of the harvest so they'd get best of both worlds they'd be able otherwise they used to have a lot of rotting mangoes in their go down or in their in their in their pantry or in their attic or whatever and it is very difficult for them to get people to pluck because earlier our local people used to pluck these mangoes but nowadays things have changed and we have to hire people from outside goa so my people they are all from madhya pradesh so i call them every year actually they work 7 to 8 months or a year yeah so just plucking mangoes no no they pluck mangoes just for 4 months for rest of the season they are doing the maintenance work like cleaning the mango trees because lot of parasites grow on the mango tree so we have to clean those it takes at least one and half month to do that work we do this work in the month of september when the rain becomes less it doesn't rain too yeah, much yeah it poses a lot of uh, of falling risk or hazard yeah, because yeah. of slippery trees slippery, and yeah. moss on the on the top surface of the of the tree and as you see they use no protective harness they don't use any they just purely skilled core strength and muscle <laughs> yeah and secondly what these guys also do during the other 3 to 4 months is they tie up trees the branches that that can either you know cause before tying we do the work of spraying the insecticide okay sometimes if the owner doesn't want chemical insecticides we go for organic also we have organic insecticides also so like that we do spraying work and after spraying when the fruit grows so big we tie those branches with the help of uh, ropes so that it serves two purposes actually it prevents branches from breaking that is one and second main purpose is it also gives safety to our people who climb the tree and pluck because sometimes what happens already the branch is overweight because of the mangoes then our person climbs and it gets more weight on that so sometimes it breaks also and it had happened to me my two people fell from a height of around 12 meters luckily they escaped without injuries i've traveled i've eaten mangoes from several parts of the world fiji i've eaten from new caledonia from africa from mexico south americas i have tasted many beautiful mangoes but as a collective of mangoes i found in one place that is goa you have so many varieties of mangoes there are many that are very bad i mean they're just pulpy and they're nothing but there are many mango varieties that are also very ye idhar ka na jo bahar hai na acha gol hua hai to hi tod nahi to chhoda to chalega hey don't drop it what's the percentage of mangoes i always tell them see if you pluck 100 mangoes so after plucking 100 mangoes if five mangoes fall that is acceptable if more than five then it will be a loss for me so try to avoid because a fallen mango, mango cannot yeah. be ripened yeah it, it gets spoiled yeah okay. because what happens there are two ways of ripening a mango 
One is what we call zard pike or amor pike, which is basically mango that is ripe on the tree. They get a little blemish, like at the stem. You would find a little like like a rot-looking kind of a spot over here. That's not rot. You want to buy that mango because that's the best mango as nature intended. That's the way mangoes were meant to be eaten. That's one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. So maybe we should move aside. <laughs> yes, we can move aside. Yes. So now. The zard pike mango, zard meaning tree, pike means ripe, and also we call amor pike. Amor means mango is arm, oer is on top. On top of the mango tree, it is ripe. So that's how it became amor means love as well. So it, it had a double meaning, amor pike. So the mango that got ripe on the tree is also most prized. You you find it firmer, less less fiber. Because it, is, it gets ripe naturally. Naturally, correct. Yeah. We don't use any artificial like hay or any other method. Yeah. But we always do artificial ripening like hay only. Hay or uh, even, but even nowadays, paper, they use yeah, newspaper. Yeah, yeah, newspaper. But nowadays many people from our side, they are going for chemical ripening also, which is not good for our health. Okay. And I strongly oppose that. Okay. But while I was in school, I learned properties and uses of ethylene gas. That ethylene, main use of ethylene gas is it is used for natural ripening of fruits. And it is allowed by Food and Drug Administration, FDA. Okay, so it is allowed. So many people ripe fruits in that uh, gas chamber for export and all. Okay. I? Uh, yeah, but uh, the best way to ripen a mango is to keep it in a warm place, with a humid warm place, and uh, on a bed of hay, and never put one mango over the other. Because then it, it where it meets each other, there's a chance of rotting. But condition provided, mango should be perfectly ready, ready for harvesting. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Then only it gets ripe fast. And so, how exactly do you know? Like looking at this mango, how do you know no, that it's ready so, for? See, we are in this field for last 25 <laughs> years. So just looking at the mango, we come to know that this is ready. See, this is. Freckled. I should say. I should say. 90 percent ready. 90 percent. 90 percent. This will get ripe. Okay, but still, if I keep this mango on tree for another four days, it will get perfectly ready. Okay, so just by looking at the color of this mango, we come to know. Sometimes, if color is slightly confusing, then we look at this date. Yeah, how much of the sap does it give out? Yeah, the yeah, less yeah. sap it gives out, the better it is for, for ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and sometimes this, if it is perfectly ready, this date goes inside. Just uh, you get a pit like. Right, so the yeah. sap would be... Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Another thing about this this particular mango, the Ilar mango, is that it is very sour when raw, extremely... It's the sourest mango among the raw mangoes, and it is the sweetest among the ripe mangoes. And do you know the story behind this uh, mango's name? This From mango Sioli. originated in our village, Sholim. Okay? Sioli. One person, his name was Hilario. He had uh, made graft of a mango. So first... You know between which tree? This graft was made from two mangoes. He took the best, his favorite mangoes, which were they? The Mankurat and the Shavir. And he put them together and playing around, the Ilar was born. As you do. And <laughs> so I, I don't know how it was put together, but it was, he basically crossed these two varieties together. And, yeah. and his grandson, Moreno, was a good friend of mine. He used to grow up, he grew up as, he used to always boast about the tree, saying, this mango tree is created by us. And I used to get very upset about it. You know, no, what do you mean? We planted it. <laughs> When this particular one, he took out the stem, you see it doesn't give much of uh, sap, very okay. very reluctantly it comes out. Mm. So this one is closer to ripeness and this is Zard Pique. When this part inside will become like a white coir, when you cut it, it will look like a chalk, this part, because mm. it has got burnt. 
you will think it's spoiled, but it's not. Okay. It is a, it's the hallmark of a good Zarpico mango. Okay. I've spent a lot of years trying to understand the mango varieties of Goa, myself, personally, because I'm a chef. And I think you should do PhD on this. <laughs> Are you graduate? No, I am a graduate. Graduate, no, then you can go we'll for... Make, we'll make an yeah, audio yeah. book. <laughs> Yeah. So then you will be called Dr. Mango. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a promising career. So now what we need to do with uh, Rajesh is we need to trail him. You yeah. know, one day maybe go with him from house to house, follow him and tell his story. Because what happens is that these are the keepers of the tradition. Hmm. It might be for Madhya Pradesh, but it is the tradition. It is now these people of Madhya Pradesh become part of the Goa story as well. And that is how the country gets integrated and yeah, the country yeah, comes yeah, together. Yeah. See, I, I have hired people from Madhya Pradesh. My other co-fellows who are in this business, okay? Some people have... Uh, means, uh, from Jharkhand? Yeah, Jharkhand, from Orisa. Bengal, Bengal, Orissa also. Now, earlier we used to hire people from neighboring states like Maharashtra and Karnataka. Now, even those people... Have, it is very difficult for us to get those people yeah. because they are not interested in this work now. Seems to be the common issue. Common issue, yeah. And also coconut uh, tappers, toddy tappers. Yeah. A very important part of our gastronomy is, is vinegar. A very part of our uh, gastronomy is also coconut feni. And yeah. many other fenies that come out of coconut feni, like dukshiri, ale, jire, you know, and uh, soft, and seed. So what happens is that, like even the bakers, for example, but the bakers are all from Bihar and Jharkhand. Okay, but originally the baker boss is from Majorda. Majorda is the village of bakers. Similarly, Sioli is actually a village of mango growers. And from there came a lot of different varieties of mangoes and Kilar is one of the most prominent ones. The government of Goa and the horticulture department, they have a competition every year. And Mankurad is, a lot is made out of Mankurad, Bankurad, these are different types of varieties. Bankurad is also another variety. Bankurad, you all, you all Yeah, love? yeah, there is one tree over here at Panjim, uh, Santines. Okay. Yeah, it belongs to Mr. Uh, what's his name, Shiva Vainangar. Okay. And typically in a day, how many households, how many trees do you pluck? Now, we are in a relaxed mood, like, okay? But when Mankurad mango starts ripening everywhere, it is very difficult means we take a lot of trees, so we have to finish plucking within time. Early to market, uh, bigger money. Yeah, yeah, yeah market as well as if we don't pluck on time, we suffer losses because a lot of mango starts falling after yeah. getting ripe. And rate of getting ripening of Mantura mango is quite faster than other mangoes. Because if there are two trees, say, one Mankurad, other one is Alfonso. If uh, Mankurad mangoes falls, say, 200 per day, 200 mangoes falls per day. Other Alfonso mango, you will get only 100. So the rate of falling yes. or ripening is double of Mankurad variety. And typically, ah. I just heard this summer, but ah, mango trees give fruit every second year? Now, there are trees that cross a certain life of optimal uh, harvest. Okay, yeah. like for example, this, this tree, if it's kept well, like this tree gives mangoes every alternate year, yeah. this particular one. Last year, we didn't get mangoes for this tree. Yeah. Yeah. So last year, we, we get a crop of around 100, 200 mangoes. This is like 4,000 mangoes, I would imagine, coming out of these trees right now. Okay, so, Nare, is it? No. I'm expecting 2,000. 2,000 mangoes. Yeah, yeah, because here there are less mangoes. Over here, only this main branch it has more. Yeah, always this branch has yeah, the most, yeah, the yeah. one over the, over the roof because it gets the best sunlight. Best See, open. Ryan, 
Cardoz mangoes. Cardoz. These are Cardoz. They are actually Marcoulard mangoes, but the Cardoz variety. See how attractive they are. Bright, attractive color. Yeah. <laughs> and you get this also late in season. Cardoz okay. Marcoulard doesn't come like the early Marcoulards. Tomorrow we will be plucking last crop. Okay. Third time, third time we are third plucking. plucking. Third plucking. That, and the third plucking of Mangurad Cardoz is the best okay. because of the they, sun again. Right, they they've held as much. See, now he had kept 1,200 per dozen, and he will give only six mangoes per person, not more than six. <laughs> He's telling because uh, this time yeah, the crop is less. It. Yeah, okay. and there are there is a lot of demand for this mango, so people are. Demanding more mangoes, so he had uh, restricted to six mangoes only. Very and so we set off the very next morning to witness this final plucking of the season and hear from the man himself, Nestor Rangel. Okay, I'm standing below the Cardoz Mankura tree. There's just one original tree in Goa. It's actually in the house of Dr. Cardozo, who is from Mapsa, and this tree is about 65 to 70 years old. So what happened was, actually I'm into farming for the past 20 years, not 20 years, about 15 years. About two and a half, three years back, the agriculture director of Goa, Mr. Nelson Figueredo, he contacted me saying that Mr. Faust Cardozo, who actually owns the tree now, wanted to do the marketing of this particular mango being something special. So what happened was all these years they were removing the mangoes and just distributing to their friends. And majority of mangoes were going into the market without, it was just going as a, this as a mango. Many years back what Mr. Cardozo did, he took one of the mangoes and went to ICR, the Indian Centre of Agriculture Research and they managed to get something called a germplasm for this particular mango tree. And what has happened is, I am an agriculturist for some years now and I have got an orchard of about 800 trees. I have got a high density orchard, I don't allow my trees to grow too big. So I manage to sell about 2 lakh mangoes every season. I get about 300 to 400 per tree and it's very easy, we don't have big trees so it's easier to harvest. So when he saw that I was doing the marketing of my mangoes, he had a talk with me and I decided that I'll take up the marketing of this. So last year I took up the marketing of this and it actually spread. I think even Ryan has picked up some mangoes from this. A lot of them. A lot. I must have picked up 100 from you last year. So, what has happened is the word has spread all over. And this is a very special mango. It's big in size and it's got less fiber. It is very sweet and it's got fantastic flavor. Arguably, I would say I've worked many years in the north. I've tasted the northern side mangoes like Langra and the Sherry and all. I think you cannot compare this with that. This is something extraordinary. It's out of the way. So, we decided to do this and we have got such great comments on this mango. Like some people are telling this is arguably or some are saying even inarguably the best mango they've ever eaten. So we have decided this mango should go all over Goa. People say our mangoes are the best. I'll say this is the best in India. I'm not boasting about it but I've tasted quite a few mangoes. I've got about 50 different varieties at my farm and I feel this is one of the best mangoes that I've ever tasted and many people have said the same thing about it. This tree is special actually. Mangoes usually in Goa are alternate bearers. So this tree, in the on-season, it bears about 4,000 plus mangoes, in the off-season about 2,000 plus. So it gives you quite a decent amount of mangoes every season. This year it's a bit less because I think two brick branches were cut. Yeah. And overall the season is poor this season, I think. Because of late monsoon. Late monsoons and the weather months. conditions, there was no cold, so the trees were not stressed. They got a lot of water and secondly also it rained in between quite a few times, which have tended to spoil the flowers. Yeah, get a fungal infection. Yeah. So the flowers fall down, they don't this. 
Could you tell us what all qualities affect the breed of the mango? Like what? Actually, I, I'll tell you what. This tree, Mr. Faust Cardoz, he told me about this tree. This tree was just a chance seedling. You know what's a chance seedling? See, mangoes are usually a cross-pollinated. If you put a seed of a Malkorad mango, and Malkorad is M-A-L-C-O-R-A-D-O. It's not Malkorad and all, it's Malkorad. If you put a seed of the Malkorad mango, it's not necessary that you will get a Malkorad mango. Being cross-pollinated, you could get something worse or you could get something better. Fortunately, this tree turned out to be better. So this is all chance. It's not, it's not been specially genetically engineered or whatever. It's just a chance seedling. And they used to play on this tree. And this tree used to just go in the market. The guy who was harvesting this tree just used to send the mangoes in the market without any of this. People buy it and finish it off. But now, after we have started the marketing, it's going as a Cardo's Mantura, which is giving it some, some value to the tree. So we hope to take it better, one of the better Goan mangoes, and hope to proliferate a lot. I'm, in fact, no, I think this year, overall, the mango growers are lucky that the season was bad. Like Maharashtra has got 30% only of the crop. If they had 100% of the crop with this COVID problem around, yeah, the mangoes would have come to 50 rupees a dozen. They would be rotting. And that's why you see all over there, on the roads, you'll see mangoes coming. Because Maharashtra has not been able to sell their mangoes. Mumbai is a big market. Delhi is a big market. But the mangoes no are not tickets. going. No and in a way, they are lucky. So if I had a full crop at my farm, I too would not be able to move around freely because of the distancing measures over here. Yeah. Because last year, we do something called street sales. We have... He knows about it. We do street sales. We go all over different places and... We wait there for about half an hour, but everything goes. What we do is, we have a big WhatsApp group. So we decide different points. At this particular time, we will be at one particular point. So on the group, people get the numbers and they come and they take. So besides mangoes, we sell grapes. There's a guy from Kolapur, Solapur selling grapes. I sell cashew nuts, I sell the kokum, sola. We sell plantains from my farm and many other items that are made, mostly made locally. So that's how we do it and it everything moves. Last year I think I sold about 2 lakh mangoes in retail. He will know, he has he's seen the sale, like it's a mad rush sometimes. People fighting for mangoes. Fighting for mangoes. <laughs> that way. The US so. has Black Friday, Goa has mangoes. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's awesome. Now clearly this was a lot of information to digest and an absolutely amazing experience to have. But I still wanted to sit down with Ryan to find out exactly what got him hooked on the story of mangoes to begin with and how his relationship to the fruit has evolved over the years. I've been uh, fascinated by mangoes for a very long time. And ever since I was a child, even to the extent of getting into trouble for stealing mangoes from the storeroom when I was not supposed to get there in the first place. And uh, there's a lot of pain involved with that, but a lot of pleasure at the other end of the last mango bite that you take and with the juice dripping down your elbows and you know and it's pretty evident where you've been by the look on your face and all the mango specks around <laughs> mango your cheeks fibers and teeth <laughs> just trying to hide the juice that's dripping down your hands so as we grew older i got very intrigued by the varieties of mangoes i knew they were called something but as a child all mangoes are mangoes you know because we had different mango trees in our house that were not mankurad Mm -hmm. I had knowledge as a child that there were other mangoes too. So we had the Malgas growing in our South Goan house in Verna. And we had the Ilario growing in Panjim at our Kampal house, which is the tree right now, maybe 68 to 70 years old. My mom planted it when she was 6 or 7 years old or 8 years old. And so she would have been like 77 now. So yeah. do the maths, about yeah. 70 years old probably yeah. or, or 68 to 70 years old. And we had another tree which is called a Kunt. Let me tell you what a kunt is. 
Akunta is a Chan seedling. Mm-hmm. Like we saw the Chan seedling in Mapsa at the Cardozo house where they have the Cardozo Mankura. A Chan seedling is a seedling that is thrown, a seed that is thrown of a mango that is consumed and it sprouts up, germinates and becomes a tree and then it gives mangoes. Generally trees grown in such ways don't give the best quality of mango. They give what we call in Goa as gonta. Gonta meaning drops so like, or, or sips rather, you know, you take a sip. So basically sucking mangoes in English would be the best translation for it. And these mangoes were generally tart, sweet. Sometimes you get a bad one at a start. The raw mangoes of this particular sucking mango varieties are best suited for actually pickles when it's tender, you know. So miskut, which is a common goan pickle made out of mangoes with asafoetida and mustard and chilies as the main flavor profile. So coming back to mangoes, the mangoes that are of certain commercial value are as follows. You have the mankurat, you have something called the bankurat. What is bankurat? Malkurat is bad color in Portuguese and mm-hmm. bankurat is a good color. <laughs> color referred not to the flesh, but the exterior, the fruit, the fruit how it looked. Uh, okay. That's why if you look at a mankurat, it looks like a very plain monochrome yellow, which is not that attractive if you have a mango at the side of it, which has got red, green, yellow right. and a little yeah. orange in it and you know, some little yeah. freckles and that adds a lot of charm and beauty to the fruit itself, visually. So bankurat was that. And then we have the malgez. It also has a reddish green and yellow tones to it the Fernandine and the Musarat. Now the Musarat variety, many people mistake the Musarat variety that all Musarats are the ones that are red, green and yellow. But there is a Musarat from the south of Goa, it is called Sashti Musarat. Sashti meaning Salset, mm. the sub-district of Salset, which is, Margao is the capital of that sub-district. And the mango of Salset, the Sashti mango, has a very, very unique flavor, tartness and sweetness to it at the same time. And what I would describe in words, what the flavor profile is, is that of the pungent smell of a bruised mango leaf. Okay, so that kind of a flavor note emanates from that particular mango and it really does magic to your palate and it is a beautiful experience. And it's one of my favorite mangoes. Not my very favorite mango, but one of my (laughs) favorite favorite mangoes. My favorite mango by far, I will say fortunately and unfortunately, is the Ilar. Fortunately, because it is the best goddamn mango you can ever put into your mouth. <laughs> Unfortunately, because it comes for only 45 days in a year. Okay. And it comes to season very late in season. Also, there's a fortunate part to this. Because because it comes late to season, people's appetite for mangoes are satiated by this time. True. And therefore, the demand for mangoes also drops quite heavily by the time Ilar hits the market. Okay, It is not that buying frenzy early in season where people are willing to pay any stupid price for yeah, a Malkurat. Yeah. In the end of season, when all the prime premium mangoes come down and prices are slashed to 200 rupees and 300 rupees yeah, a dozen, <laughs> the Ilar is hitting the market in the last week of April to the first week of May. You find a rare tree that bears early fruit and you might get an odd one-time chance on a mango early in March. But the rule for Ilar is end of April earliest, May in market consistently. Yeah. So, the story of the Ilar... Okay, we visited the house. Yeah. Unfortunately, three years back, the tree fell down. Ah, okay. Yeah. And when this tree fell down, I did a little research and spoke yeah, to the family. so that's why we found the house, but not the tree. Not the tree. <laughs> we found another tree growing with different kind of mangoes, and that mango is a kunt that doesn't have a name. So that was also verified. And if you notice, it had an odd shape. It was not the typical mango-pointed kind of a, mm. you know, it was a roundish, you know. 
roly poly kind of a mango. <laughs> the grunt. <laughs> so the chance seedling that went around. Okay, and then after that, the Ilar mango got popular around the Seolim area because this guy lived there. It's not a chance seedling; it was created through a lot of scientific process. Okay, okay this I, one was specific. Yeah, this one specifically. And I believe because of the flavor profile of this fruit, this particular variety of mango, it's got a lot of peach coming out of it. It's got the flavor profile of a pineapple. Some people say lychees. I wouldn't argue, but I I would go more towards peach and not right. lychee and peach. Yeah, would, yeah. And the third flavor is of course that of mango. So we want mango in mango yeah. for sure. You know, so <laughs> ideally, we, we, yeah, ideally. So it's got mango, peach, and pineapple predominantly playing beautiful uh, symphony together. Mm-hmm. You know, and doing magic in your mouth when you eat it. and the level of sweetness is unprecedented there's not a single ilar till today good variety or a bad version of it which i found with fiber not even one okay. the beard around the seed of the mango is almost zero it's about 2 mm of beard around okay. it's like nothing yeah. okay it's like a small fine brush it's like a velvety brush around the seed it's another fruit that you can even cut around the center vertically around the center Mm. and you can twist it open and make two cups out of it and no flesh will stick to the seed when you take it out okay, like an avocado like an yeah, avocado okay. and make it like a dessert cup the other mangoes also can do it but a little flesh comes along with the seed out as well so but for this the mango has to be just ripe not overripe it should be just ripe the ilar also has a very pale flesh when it's just ripe and when it's overripe it becomes a little orangey yellow and it gets mm. a little bit more brightness and softness it's got a very firm flesh it's got a very firm bite you will never find a sour ilar ever in my last so many years 46 years that i am around i am yet to eat a sour ripe ilar mango but every other mango has thrown a sour yeah, or a tasteless one yeah. or a very what we call in portuguese aguado you know like watery kind of thing so there's another beautiful mango that i want to talk to you about There are many more beautiful mangoes that I want to talk to you about. Not <laughs> We just. We need to make this yeah. a five-part series, yeah. not just one. Yeah. It, it, so. It's a mango chronicles in the monsoon. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. yeah, but I'll just go into a banter of different varieties. Your audience can pick this up if they want to go and individually yeah. look into these varieties. I urge you to do it. You know, and look for uh, different mangoes. Try something that's not really familiar. Try new mangoes. Buy two of it if you have to, and mm. remember the name. Write it down because these names can be tricky for people who are not. Yeah. yeah. We've got a mango called Fernandine which I highly recommend. I'll come to the best best of the best later. We've got a mango that's called Malgues. Okay? This has got a star, the Malgues. But a good Malgues is special, okay? And yeah. when I say good Malgues, a good Malgues that I've seen generally has tends to have a very yellowish skin with red and green to it. So generally what you find now is a lot of green and red. Now, but if you find that one with that yellow hint to the Malgues with the yellow hint to it, buy it. chances are it's ripe on the tree it's plucked late just before getting ripe so okay. those are the ones that have the most sweetness remember one thing more sun it gets on the tree the more nutrition it gets on the mother tree the tastier it's going to be mother's milk builds your immunity okay so <laughs> mangoes included <laughs> mangoes included so <laughs> and if you look at why the mango tastes better it gets the best of the sun mango is a summer fruit and mm. the humidity the sun the salinity in our air all adds to the flavor of the mango and we are very coastal state you know that so everywhere you go is close to the sea 40 kilometers hinterland is the widest so 50 kilometers hinterland is the widest we are on the whole coast yeah. and that's good enough you get you get salinity even there Mm. the water is brackish upstream you know so very very important thing is the longer you keep the mango on the tree 
the tastier it's going to be, whichever variety it is. So I've never had a good dragon fruit, for example. But when a friend of mine brought a dragon fruit ripe on the tree, I then realized what a dragon fruit tastes like. Yeah, I mean, growing up in Canada, fruit is so... I mean, we have great fruit, let's not... Get me wrong, berries and peaches and all that, but which bananas, you don't get here, which, which we are, which we do I miss so much when I'm here. But mangoes, papayas, bananas, dragon fruit, any of these things, they taste like nothing in Canada because they're plucked so soon, they're shipped so far, and then they don't even ripen properly, and so they don't have any flavor. And then you travel somewhere else and you try it for the first time, and it just yeah, that's true. It's incredible. And especially when you go foraging, like wild strawberries, you cannot find it in the market because you have to consume them immediately. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, but sometimes some chefs are very creative in dehydrating them and, mm. and you know, preserving them mm. in different ways to capture certain flavor nuances from them. And yeah. I do that with my food a lot, but with different ingredients. Yeah. But fruits in, in, in Goa per se, we don't have a very large array of... We have not, yeah, like indigenous yeah. fruits. We have got indigenous fruits are, are beautiful, like jackfruit is beautiful the yeah. kokum is nice mm. chikus. The, the chikus are brilliant the chikus that you get the round ones are not the indigenous ones they are yeah, the hybrid the, the oval ones, the, right? the longish yeah. the oval ones of the endemic mm. to the place and then you have the the wild chiku the wild chiku is actually a green chiku it's inedible skin white flesh and black seeds and, and two seeds instead of four no yeah Okay, getting back to mangoes. Yeah, back to mangoes. Yeah, <laughs> we got derailed yeah, off yeah, the list. Yeah. <laughs> getting back to mangoes. Now you find a lot of mangoes after the Ilar, which is the last brilliant mango to come to season. You find different other varieties like Neelam, Karishma, Katrina, which are named after film stars. Mangoes are named after and film stars. Really? Yeah. Neelam was a very famous film star. Oh. And then so was, um, she is now the owner, one of the owners of the Calcutta Knight Riders, the IPL okay. team. There's one mango called Katrina, grain after Katrina calf. There's. <laughs> but then these ones must be quite new. These are, these, are, these are pretty new. Nilam is a little older one. Yeah. yeah but there's Katrina and, and Karishma, the yeah, newer varieties. Here. You find them coming out of Maharashtra, and there is a gentleman in Uttar Pradesh somewhere who does this breeding, a Muslim gentleman. Okay. He's quite a genius with plants. Huh. They are what they are, hybrids. Yeah. yeah. For me, I like the heirloom varieties. I'm a little old-fashioned. Even the carrots that I buy, which nobody buys in the market. Are they, the funny thing is that the heirloom vegetables, because they're small and ugly-looking, nobody buys them. So, so we, get them, we get them cheap. Oh, and okay. so, so now tomorrow you t- educate the market guys about heirloom vegetables and then the heirloom will go up and everybody <laughs> will go. It's like this typical uh, herd so mentality of the urban yeah. India. The, always looking for a new trend, always yeah. looking for something to follow, yeah. you know. So we have the Fernandi, we have the Malgez, we have the Bankurat, we have the Bishop Mango. The Bishop Mango is a very large mango, almost a little larger than my head, your head. Oh yeah, this it's is the, the one you The diabetes right? mango, yes. which is not very sweet, so therefore the diabetics <laughs> like to eat it. But great for jams uh, uh, and jellies. Yeah, jellies and Mangad. Mangad yeah. is the jam, the Kongani name for mango jam. And then we have the Xavier. So the Ilar that I talked about earlier is what I believe, a mixture of the Xavier and the Malkurad put together. Okay. Because it's got the flavor profile of these two fruits. And right. the peach and pineapple, there are faint notes of this in the Xavier. And uh, the Malkurad has got coconut notes as well. The Malkurad. Oh, interesting. Malkurad. If you look, it tasted very... You're like a sommelier of yeah, mango. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only in every box there was this flavor profile. Yeah. It, it is very predominant if you if you just look for now that you know to look for coconut you will probably find yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. And then so typically, how are they marketed? When let's say someone who is completely unversed in mangoes, 
goes to a Mopsa market, say, or the Panjim market, how are you able to differentiate the mangoes or is it evidently placed the names of the mangoes? Okay. I, will, I, I will tell you for any starter, if you're going without help and assistance into the market, yeah. the best thing would be to find somebody, you observe the market a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, you're passionate about it, so therefore you're going to take this journey. Yes. <laughs> and if you're passionate about something, you're going to take this journey, we just do it the right way. You go to the market, buy yourself a tender coconut if you wish to, if it's a hot day. Summer is the time. <laughs> give yourself a moment. To give yourself a moment. Look at the, at the marketplace, look at how people are dealing with their customers, look at their body language, understand who you're comfortable talking to. Yeah. Select five people hmm. in this process, not one. Select five. And do browse through all these five and talk to them about the mangoes. What mango is it? If they are receptive, great. If they are not, move on. Yeah. And you will find somebody who is receptive. And out of these five that you've identified, if you find not a single one is receptive, you've got practice of doing it with five, do it with five more. <laughs> Spend three hours at the market. <laughs> if it's doing it right. Yes. You know... I yeah, I mean, it's this, this is the this is the feel and touch way. This is the way humans connected. This is the mm -hmm. way information was sought. There's no Google to this. Yeah. Okay. There's no market to each stall. Yeah. We send reviews. That this woman is the best. You know, no, five stars, three stars, two stars. But that's what I love about the markets here. Is here. it's very analog. It's so like my rule of thumb when it comes to bartering or going into markets and finding things is yeah, just that like go banter with a few of them, and whichever one of them just lights up. And gives you an honest, great experience. Like, whether they charge me more than the other guy, I don't even care anymore. And I'll tell you, it's not charging you more than the other one. The value for the cheer is what you're paying for. Exactly. So, pick up two of each mango. You might be tempted to pick up more. Don't. Mm -hmm. Because then you'll just burn a hole in your pocket. Because if you reach Goa, say, in the first week of March, mangoes are still expensive. Yeah. Okay? Stay away from the Malkurad towards the start of your stay. Have Malkurad last because even five days past, the price drops. Right. Okay, it's like a daily thing. So it's a daily price of the market for that day. So it doesn't go up. It will always go down. So start with mangoes like Pairi, Xavier, Malgez, Fernandin. They come in quite early to the market. Okay. Generally, you'll find Malkurad, Xavier and Pairi. These are the three you will find in the early season. And as we go to the middle of the season, towards the early end of the middle of the season, you will find more mangoes like Malgas coming in slowly. You will have the Fernandines, the Musarats coming in, the Kunts coming in. Many of the Kunts come in. Try the Kunts. Even if you hear a Kunt, pick up one or two. Get an experience. Mm. Okay? But remember one thing. The Kunt you get today is not the same Kunt you'll get tomorrow. <laughs> True. Okay? So if that woman happens to have more stock of it, she will give it to you. Or two, three people in the market will have it. But Kunts are such a thing that you have to wing it. You have to know where to get it from. Right. Okay. And I remember last year when we went to Mopsa Market right around, I guess it was late May, in a frenzy to go pick up boxes and boxes of mangoes and send them off to friends. And yeah, you took me to specific areas for specific mangoes and I, had, I used to think yeah. that it was all it, just uh, See, there are, there are several reasons for specific people as well, not just for the mango type. Yeah. One of the reasons is there are credible ethical vendors and there are non-credible Inethical vendors. The ethics in the in the process of, of mangoes, in selling of mangoes, is basically how they ripen it. 
Right, okay. Whether it's natural, right? It's false ripen with chemicals or it's not, you know. And that's, for me, a very important part because I like to keep my consumption as real as possible. Yeah. And I like my clients, customers, my guests, whoever I feed also through the process of my cooking as a chef. I want to make sure I feed them the same food I got myself, allow myself to eat and I believe that I should eat the best, you know. Mm. So mangoes, for me, have to be responsibly harvested and ripened and sold because that's one thing. Second thing is that I like to buy the local mangoes because I know they sustain a lot of local farmers, a local yeah. employment. Yeah. And I always have been the professor of to always talk about petering people to buy local because one, it's it's closest to your gene type in terms of mm-hmm. body absorption and the scientific aspect of it. Yeah. And second, your body can metabolize these foods easy because they are part of your surroundings and it's endemic to your location where you live, yeah. you know, an area. So that's one of the predominant reasons and more so because it sustains a lot of economic, traditional economic practices. Yeah, I was and, amazed during the yeah. process of going around for those couple of days and just seeing how many people are employed through the trade of mangoes. Correct. You know, yeah. like you... You have plucking. Yeah, you, you have, have sorting, so many steps. The driver who drives the lorry and you will be surprised that generally all these people would be the sole earning member of the family not that every person in that family is working so yeah. that person driving the pickup would be feeding about 8 to 10 people with that yeah, income yeah. he's making yeah because you think about you see all these massive mango trees in the yard and you don't realize that it's been licensed out or sold to a plucker then that plucker comes has his team does all the plucking then the plucking mangoes go to the warehouse where there's staff sorting, organizing, maintaining, ripening the mangoes. Then it's brought to the distributor, auctioned off and sold to whatever vendor is going to then disseminate it into the market. Then you, then you have the women and the men that you meet at the market that you buy your mangoes from. Yeah. There are so many people before that. And it's similar for, I guess, every industry, but something so simple as a mango, I guess you don't really, yeah. you don't think of it yeah. at all. Mango slowly is getting into a very corporate space as well. That's frightening. That's, yeah. Yeah, That's a little frightening. At the same time, what individuals like me are doing very privately and quietly because we want to create a community of people that understand mangoes, value mangoes, and want mangoes to reach out in the right way possible. Because today, whenever we talk about mangoes, it's very abrasive for me to hear something like, let's buy some hapus. First and foremost, it's not hapus, it's Alfonso. Okay, and sorry, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not Hapos, it's Alfonso. And it's Alfonso mangoes are a hybrid variety that were designed and created for a long shelf life. Okay, right. Okay, because most of the Goan mangoes that we have degrade fast after getting ripe. So we need to arrest the ripening by proper storage. That can be done through temperature control to delay the ripening, not any chemicals required. And the cost of logistics there too. To have refrigerated or temperature-controlled logistics takes the price high and it becomes uneconomical when you have the hapus there. And then you're trying to educate people that, hey, this is better than hapus, you should try this out. The cost for that to acquire customers across, to migrate from hapus to other varieties, are very, very difficult. Okay, very, very difficult. And cost is very high. So people don't even bother to venture there. So what me and a few friends are doing now, we've been talking about it for the last few months, is that we want to curate different types of mangoes in a box of 24 at different times of the year. And can it be a subscription? Yeah, and it will be a subscription that we can, we, we will be shipping it to states like Karnataka, Maharashtra and Andhra Pradesh and Telangana, which are very near to Goa. Trying to understand is what is the degradation or how long can it hold. We're going to do some trial runs with some friends of ours using yeah. the same logistic uh, support. 
okay. that we plan to use and see how they can hold till they get to the customer okay, okay? and what kind of packaging would be adequate appropriate because mm-hmm. we don't want to create a lot of garbage plastic garbage yeah, no, we don't want to get styrofoam nets to put around them we're looking at more sustainable jute yeah. products to wrap the mangoes and stuff like that so make a little bit of a expandable net i mean out of jute rope you know so they don't touch each other because mm-hmm. very important that two mangoes that are raw should not touch each other Okay. Cuz the heat from one transfers heat to the second and it rots there and you get worms if they get yeah. too close to each other. And so is this kind of like a mango subscription box and yeah. then you get to learn about the different mangoes. Yeah, and we'll tell a story about the mangoes. We'll even take it one step further. We'll talk about which house the mango has come from. Oh, this so, is so cool. So therefore what we're going to do is we're going to work very closely with the mango contractor, the guy mm-hmm. who picks up mangoes. Mm-hmm. And we will pay him whatever is due to him because he has to sustain his business. It's his cost. and once we do that reverse integration that we will see what price we can put it out to market factoring all the costs that we incur yeah. so the process of packaging storytelling yeah. and all the other things the marketing to reach out via several digital handles like yeah. instagram and all and to see if we can make this a viable sustainable business because if it's not sustainable it will die the, the minute it starts yeah but know? why only outside states it's something that could be great within goa itself well, yeah right? it it definitely yeah. is for goa okay <laughs> but in goa it won't be valued as much because these right, things are available not, uh, in the market yeah they can get out of their house they can sit on the bus or car or cab or bike yeah. and go and get it yeah but i'd say delivery home delivery is becoming more and more that's so also there that's also there i can get home delivery for my vendor in the yeah. market for example true even today so for, see that becomes a little bit of a of a decision one has to take it will be available for those who choose to take it from you yeah but we are looking at setting up the infrastructure with the long distance logistics in mind because it's not about taking goa to the gones is taking yeah, goa to the world because goa to, today has a reputation for casinos great that it does i'm not saying bad there are those some <laughs> things are there for certain people some people love it but when it's the only thing that we are known for that troubles me yeah so this gives birth to the mango museum okay Wait, what <laughs> there's something called a mango museum that i've been coining up and designing what is a mango museum essentially mango museum is a repository of mangoes okay how do we have this how do we ensure to have a museum we don't want to make a dodo out of a variety of mangoes okay so to avoid this happening we're going to find saplings of all the known and unknown trees there are some trees which have only two trees in goa like the costa for example what happens when these two if a lightning hits them tomorrow right. in the next storm that happens like the one happened last week and these trees collapse yeah these trees are gone forever we have no evidence of it the hilario tree is gone so the whole story of the original we cannot today get an original graft of the original hilario tree that's capability of telling that story is dead forever right Right, so it's trying to figure out how can you preserve these and yes. and share those stories. Yeah. Okay. So basically, to acquire some land and in between hinterland and the coastline, so it gives a good geographical and topographical median. Okay, logistically, in a place where people from most parts of Goa can arrive there in the same time. When I talk about extreme ends, yeah. So we're looking more central, located maybe south central, more like it. But history has shown that the northern part of Goa has produced more and a larger variety of good mangoes. Okay. The south has brilliant varieties too, like the Shasti Musalat comes from the south. One of my favorites, not the favorite, most favorite, <laughs> but the favorite, one of my favorites. That second, yeah. <laughs> mm, maybe second, yes, yeah. correct, quite true. And uh, <laughs> the most important thing that we need to do with this thing is we need to constantly look because there's always going to be a mango that is missed your attention. 
constant conversation with the village elders. Not only the village elders, even some youngsters, because they're more intrigued, they're, they go and get information of things that were taken for granted over the years. Right. Just interesting to explore how many different mangoes there are just within Goa itself. Yes. And kind of how mangoes are known, but how often do you dive so deep into the mango itself? You always have a fridge full of mangoes year-round. So if you want to speak a bit to ways that you can preserve the mangoes or, you know, freeze them and pulp them. And yeah, so the, obviously the mango that I'm going to freeze is uh, no secret. It's the Hilarion. Mm. What I do is somewhere in the middle of its season, not in the start, not at the end. And there's a reason for that, I'll tell you. The best mangoes come towards the fag end of the summer. And the ones that come when it rains come down are not the best. So you generally pick up the ones that come a little later than the first batch so it's got more of the summer heat. Mm. So I take those, I skin them the day I get them, take the seed off, cut them into strips, put them into zip bags and freeze them for the whole year. So I generally freeze about 400 mangoes a year and I have them throughout the year. But what I also do is I make jams. Mm-hmm. out of the mango mm-hmm. I also make pulp out of the mango and keep them for my consumption mm-hmm. at home I also dry out some mango right. and there's a there's a preparation in Goa where we have these papads made out of mango as well oh yeah, yeah you probably tasted them yeah. of jackfruit and mango yeah, yeah. I do make a lot of savory stuff with mango as well the, especially when they're in season and the mangoes fall off the tree there's a local preparation called amto, which is basically all like semi-ripe mango, which is peeled and then it's cooked along with some garlic and onions and some prawns together. Mm. And oh, it makes yeah. a very. I ma- this recently. Yeah, and it's made either yellow or with a red paste that we have here, made out of red chilies. Okay. So amto is another very famous preparation made out of the mangoes, specifically the ones that fall off the tree. Okay. Yeah. Because the Portuguese in their culture never wasted food. So out of things that were wasted or leftovers, there are dishes in Portuguese cuisine and also in Goan cuisine, like Amto, which are made out of these leftover waste fruits. Right. We do a lot of interesting work here with mangoes because whether it's preservation, whether it is uh, innovating uh, recipes that already exist, improvising on them. Mm. And fermentation is a very, very important technique also that I've used in semi-ripe mangoes. Because what happens with fermentation is that the bacteria works on the organics, on the botanics, and they basically change the flavor profile completely. So becoming very pleasantly but unrecognizably mango. But it adds a beautiful, completely different profile to it. It takes on more woody flavor notes, earthy flavor notes, Mm. and also a little bit of fruitiness and tart that comes across. The tart is a predominant uh, quality of fermented mangoes. The tartness, it gets sourer. So a lot of uh, preservation techniques are there locally, traditionally. So that's how we can save them for the whole year. But the best way to enjoy a mango is have them fresh off the market. Plus I keep posting a lot of information on things, all things Goa, all things food from Goa and all things that I'm doing with food on my personal handles on Instagram. One is Rev Ryan Similiago and uh, that's my personal handle and what I do with food and my personal stories which I do around food. And also I have a business handle which is zodo.goodfire where I've started cooking contemporary goan food, modern goan food or new goan food, however you want to look at it. Out of my home kitchen because I was meant to open a restaurant in Panjim 
which has got indefinitely postponed. Yeah, it's on right. the back burner for a while again. Um, yeah, again. <laughs> with everything that's going on. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and so I've just decided to cook out of my home. I've got a relatively well-equipped, sufficient space, a largish fridge and refrigerator. <laughs> Several large fridges and refrigerators. <laughs> it's about 2,000 liters of storage in the yeah. <laughs> refrigerated storage in my house. <laughs> okay. Predominantly because of the mangoes that I have to keep and many other ingredients that I keep foraging, which I don't get throughout the year. But mm-hmm. I like to experiment and work with them throughout the year at yeah. will. So I have them around. I do a lot of food buying. You know, I buy a lot of interesting ingredients that, you know, I don't probably use them in my food, but I use them to understand flavors. Mm. I use them to understand how flavors play out with uh, different vegetables, with different proteins or with different right. desserts. So, yeah, I do experiment a lot. And this house kitchen is more like a lab yeah. kitchen. So <laughs> It's a joy to come over to every time. Yeah. I think your food exploration is going to have to be a, an episode all its own. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk about Goan food and what it represents. There's so many, because see, Goan food has not been written about extensively. Now, yeah. of late, a couple of books have come out of Goan cuisine. I'm basically starting work on a program right now for online viewing about celebrating certain stars in Goa who have been not talked about right. yet. Mostly the women, especially people who are ladies of this grand houses and households, there is also this, a lot of these flying cooks, you know, there's this thing called flying cooks in Goa where these generally single mothers or women who are financially strained, they take it upon themselves to go from house to house cooking because okay. they are great cooks. Yeah. So they go to these wealthy households and cook for a whole week, portion their food in boxes and freeze it for them. And then they go to the next house the next day yeah, and they do the same thing. So they're called flying cooks and they've been in Goa for a long time now, okay. this, this uh, culture. So we should do something on food. I do something called as Zodo wood fire cuisine. Zodo in Konkani, as you know, means firewood. Yeah. Okay. And uh, everything that I do is gone. It stems from here. It's close to my heart. And I've decided I don't need to start cooking the best Italian food. I want to keep it at home. So I just want to work on good corn food and take it to a place where it truly deserves to. And Yeah, the ingredients here, the flavors here, the... Also, the Goa is a really experimental state. I think that comes It up is, a and lot. you know, it is very evident that our many of our our cuisine classics. If you don't mind, it's a mango show, but I think mm. it's it's we worth. Can, we can reserve the last few minutes for. <laughs> yeah, but um, the most important thing is that we have to realize that Goa is a place that has welcomed cultures and made it their own. Yeah. Cultures that are not local. I'll give you one great example that of a. A dish that we celebrate in Goan cuisine is the balchang. Balchang was brought by the most Portuguese missionaries to Goa from Burma. Even it is said that the Goan coconut curry, which is made with coconut milk, comes from Burma, that technique. That was incorporated into our cuisine here. Yeah. We also know that there is a very strong link with our Rishad spice to that of some spices that are made in Malaysia. Okay. That the Portuguese, again, to their trade routes, brought yeah. it to Goa. Yeah. So... We have been welcoming and adoptive of and adaptive of cultures over the centuries, you know, and it is only noticed now that we are so stuck up about accepting new ideas and making it our own by giving it our own flavor to it. I wouldn't say twist. It's not mm. a twist. It's adding our flavor. It's 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 like a it's like a snowball. It keeps adding more and more and more as it comes down, yeah, right? Yeah. So same with, with food and when it travels, it has like for example the kafriel is not even a dish in Portugal or it's in Mozambique. 
But kafra means black and real means real. And it was a preparation made by, by a Mozambique cook after the governor general of Portugal. And he said, kafrial, real black. That's how he called it. And it was just with three ingredients, piri piri, salt and lime. Mm. And cooked on the char, on the charcoal, mm. on live spit fire. And then it's become kafrial that we have here today with other spices like cinnamon and cloves. And yeah, some people yeah. put garlic and some people put a lot of other things like coriander. And, you know, So it has become, it's not, there's no right or wrong. Yeah. Okay, and it's not like French. It's not like French cuisine where we have structured recipes, you know, yeah. or terminology or a yeah. whole set of things. I'm trying to bring that sort of a semblance to go on cuisine as well, so that we can have some sort of a recognizable technique that we can, you know, yeah. use terminologies for yeah. them, so yeah. that we can so it becomes generic to understand. If you say "carintle" is a word I've coined up, which means stir fried, attribute mm. "carintle" to stir fried, go on. Mm. Budoni is another term that I have coined up for dipping sauces and it comes from a Konkani word. Uh, Lone pay is another word that, that dish that I have created for seafood marinated and cooked in, in acid like the ceviche or the Taishan salad. Mm, and yeah. lone coming from Konkani and Marathi which means to pickle and pay coming from pesh which means to which means fish or seafood. Mm. So basically a preparation of seafood that is generally marinated or pickled in acid. You know. Okay. So why I mentioned this starting off is that because now that I have links to Nagaland and through my marriage and my wife being from a tribal from one of the 16 tribes of Nagaland, I have had the good fortune of smelling, tasting, feeling, touching and experiencing flavors that have absolutely blown my mind away. And extremely different from here. And the beautiful thing is that they marry so well within our culture and our palate profile. They complement it. They don't fight it. So yeah. there is a synergy there. So that synergy is what I want to exploit. The word I use exploit or, or harvest. You know, mm. you know. Uh, let's harvest that synergy and, and get something beautiful coming out of it. I've already been putting out food on Zodo.Woodfire. You've tasted it. Yes, You've ordered. Oh you ordered in. Yeah. And um, uh, <laughs> there are a lot of uh, techniques like the the way I treat my chilies mm. is also. A technique which I learned from the Northeast, or not exactly, but I got inspired by techniques yeah. they use there to yeah. follow this process to yeah. get different flavors out of my food. Because what do you do when you have the same ingredients growing in your backyard? You cannot make them taste differently unless you treat them differently. Yeah. So I use techniques like fermentation, pickling, even rotting to some point, salting, drying, smoking, combination of all this. So that works the same ingredient in 20 different ways to work, yeah. to behave differently and yeah. act differently. Yeah. So sometimes my chilies are extremely spicy. You don't taste chilies, but you only have fire. What you taste is a different flavor that comes from the chilies, but you don't recognize it as chilli. So the fire is there, you know, the chilli is there, the fire is there, but you don't taste the chilli. But because then you say, when I'm getting so much of fire out of it, why am I not tasting the chilli? There should be a lot of it here. Where is the chilli gone? <laughs> but that other go? thing that is making you happy that's going to fire back is the chilli <laughs> that you're tasting, but you don't realize it. Yeah, yeah, why are you going to fire when you when, when it's burning you? It's going in because of there's some magic that's happening somewhere in the back, you know, and that magic <laughs> in the back is what draws you back to the chili. You're sweating it out, sweating bullets, your eyes are red, your nose is running, you've picked up seven na napkins already. You have mango dripping down your <laughs> arm. <laughs> and you don't know you're eating mango. <laughs> and the whole time, you're eating a peach. No, I'm just kidding. Ooh, okay. No, this will need to be another episode. Yeah. I've learned a lot about mangoes. Yeah, you have. Just going and experiencing it. I had never been in my life in a warehouse full of mangoes. 
was amazing. <laughs> and there's a lot of mangoes. And, <coughs> and that's not, this is the tail end of the season. And the tail end of yeah. the season. And you know what? You got the sweetest mangoes. You were in the presence of the sweetest mangoes. Yeah. Because they are the sweetest at the end of the yeah. season. And many of them were... Now what we need to talk about is the Zadpika mangoes. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> I've forgotten all the names of the mangoes. The Zadpika mangoes are mangoes, a generic term for mangoes that are ripe on the tree. Ah, right. Okay. And if you read my post, the Zadpika post, which I put on my Instagram handle, you'll yeah. see that a Zadpika mango, when you cut it, but generally when you buy it, it has a kind of a blackening at the stem on top. So you right. think it's like spoiled or rotten, yeah, but it's yeah. actually sunburned. Okay. And when you cut the mango, you will find a little bit of a chalky, fibrous, uh, whitish spot there. But it's not spoiled. You can eat through it because yeah. that's the, the part where it gets the most sun. Okay. And yeah. it's around that that you find it, it's, it's soft. And then mm. as you get to the surface, it's hard. So when you touch a, a ripe mango of a zardpico that's ripened on the tree, you will find out that it, it doesn't feel like it's ripe, but when you cut right. it, it's ripe. Yeah, wow. Well, mangoes 101. I've got, a, I've, got a, I've got a very silly dad joke about mangoes. You want to hear it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have you seen a mango on a coconut tree? No. A man go on a coconut tree? <laughs> oh, <dear>. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's very and cut. Well, there you have it. A deep dive into what may easily be one of our favorite fruits. Now, as mentioned, you can find reference to many of the mangoes we discussed here on Ryan's Instagram feed, zodo.woodfire, where he documents several of his favorite varieties, and you'll be sure to get all of the updates in his future mango-filled endeavors. Also, another thing we didn't mention in the episode was that over the course of these three days, we were also in the company of Marcus and Rahul, director and videographer of Goa's own video zine, Jump Cut Goa a platform that promotes a diverse array of stories from Goa, who have also put together a beautiful clip on the story of mangoes, which we'll be sure to link here alongside everything else we talked about. To learn more about what we do beyond the podcast, make sure you check out our website, goa.me, and follow us on Instagram, at the rate Goa. Subscribe to Goa wherever you get your podcasts, with new episodes released every Wednesday. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.